This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 478 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com and you, our auditors. Well, it's the finals of Equestrians Have Talent. You'll hear the three finalists today, and you'll get to vote on the winner. Kristen and I from Horse Nation bring you the finalists, and we're excited for you to hear them. Plus, I go one-on-one with Daredevil and now movie star Devin Horn. How did Devin become the badass horsewoman she is today? Listen in. Hi, Glenda Geek here, everybody, and thank you for joining us again on the Stable Scoop Radio Show. We have to finish with Equestrians Have Talent. The finals are here, and I had a chance with Kristen to take a listen to the three finalists, so now it's your turn to take a listen and go and vote. And now we bring you Equestrians Have Talent with your hosts, Glenn and Kristen. Well, after one week break, we are back with the finals of Equestrians Have Talent. And I have Kristen here from Horse Nation, who's going to help me bring the finalists to you. Hi, Kristen. Hi, Glenn. I'm super excited. That was really, really close the first three rounds. So I'm excited for the finals. And it's up to you guys. It's up to the listeners to do the voting here. And we're going to have the voting over on Horse Nation, just like we did before. Go to equestrianshavetalent.com. It'll be up there. And you picked the three that we're playing today. They all, though, the finalists had to submit a new entry. So we have all new entries for you. And all three of them got their entries in. I have not listened to them yet. And you have not listened to them yet. Correct? Correct. Yep. These are no one-trick ponies. These are all repeat talented offenders. That's right. I'm excited to hear what they have. (laughs) That's right. And of course, they will win the golden trophy with the coveted used microphone from the Horse Radio Network studios here, and I have signed it. So I'm sure it's worth a bazillion dollars on eBay. So if you don't want to keep it, you can just sell it. I know. Isn't that incredible? So that's what they don't win much. I'm just saying. But you need it. one of those little ding noises, you know, when the, <laughs> yes, the yes. gleam shines off yes. The, yes. the golden microphone. Yes, ding. yes, yes, yes. Don't count on it being that golden. I'm just saying. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, but it has been a lot of fun, and I'm sure we'll do this again next year. It's been a good time. And thank you to Horse Nation for playing along. We have a couple other fun things that we're doing with Horse Nation that we'll announce at the end of this segment. So hold on for that, too. But how about we play the newest entries? And the winner of week one was Abby, if you remember. She sang Cowboy in Me. And if I remember right, she was a clear winner in week one. <clears throat> yeah, she took 52% of the vote from week one. So, yeah, majority. Well, Well, we're going to hear her entry here. We'll see if she can repeat that and become a big winner in the finals. So here we go. This is Abby. Hello, Horse Radio Network. This is Abby. I am coming to you live from my horse Everett's stall at about 8 o'clock at night because I'm a horse girl and that's what we do. Um, I'm here mostly because he's just coming back from a pretty long injury and rehab situation. Um, so I thought what better place to record this song, which I picked out uh, specifically for it. He's going to be helping me out munching some hay in the background here, basically accompanying me. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I've often dreamed of a flower of where our heroes welcome will be waiting for me 
And the crowds will cheer when they see my face. And a voice keeps saying, this is where I'm meant to be. I'll be there someday. I will go the distance. I will find my way. If I can be strong, I know every mile will be worth my while. When I go the distance, I'll be right where I belong. But to look beyond the glory is the hardest part. For here will strength is measured by his heart. Like a shooting star, I will go the distance. I will search the world. I will face its harms. I don't care how far. I will go the distance till I find my hero's welcome waiting here. So that's what I got, guys. I hope you liked it. Everett hopes you liked his professional hay-eating going on here. Um, thank you very much. Woohoo! Well done! Excellent. That was great. I would love to be one of Abby's fellow boarders. I know! To get to hang out and listen to her singing in the barn. <laughs> Do you think That'd she just awesome. sings all the time in the barn like that? <laughs> and probably charms all the horses out of their stalls. <laughs> sing to me, Abby. Sing to me again. Sing to me. They're all quiet and calm in that barn. It has a good feel. <laughs> Yeah, nice happy vibe. That Very was nice, excellent. Abby. That was excellent. Very well done. Yeah, and and she she knows how to play it, right? So she starts by saying, "I'm in my horse's stall." That gets votes, right? And then she says, "Oh, my horse just coming off an injury." That gets votes, the sympathy vote. And then she sings like that. She's got all three wrapped up right there. I know. And you know the acoustics <laughs> in that barn were Superb. <laughs> very well sounded done. Sounded like a concert hall. That was very and, nice. And the way she was more. coming in and out a little bit sounded like she was dancing the whole time. I was just picturing her dancing around the stall, <laughs> singing. <laughs> well I'm done, sure Abby. going to help Everett heal, too. Yes. Good. I'm sure it will. A little good, music therapy. Good luck to Everett. Well, if you remember right, week two was won by Allison, the perfect Allison, who is in college, and she, like, wins competitions, and she's just this perfect Allison. And she also plays the piano like a rock star. Well, she sent us uh, uh, an entry, and I don't know if she's playing the piano or what here, so we'll take a listen and see. This is the winner from week two, Allison, with her new entry. Hi, Horse Radio Network. It's editor Allison Elfrink from Jackson, Missouri. And this is my entry to the Equestrian Talent Show. Um, the background music is me on the piano. I recorded it earlier, so it can be playing in the background. And I am going to be reading to you a poem that I wrote a while back called Just a Horse. I hope you guys enjoy it. A warm breath, a soft, quiet eye, a shoulder to cry on, my wings so I fly, a teacher, a helper, my very first love. Just a horse you are not, you're a gift from above. Your patience is loving, your beauty is strong. You help make me different, to sing my own song. Your life you give freely, you trust from the heart. You give me your freedom and I'll do my part. To lead you and love you, my partner you'll be. To guide you and teach you, just you, as you've taught me. You give me your freedom and help me find mine. This partnership truly no words can define. God gave me the horse, my soulmate, my friend. For that I am thankful, for each second I spend. 
On the back of a horse, my heart can then soar. When I looked for a partner, my horse offered more. So let me get this straight. She continues to be called Perfect Allison because now not only does she play piano like a star, she writes poetry. That was like a two for one. That I was, know. That was a good deal. <laughs> and we had production value. Talents. That's right. She played and then she <laughs> read and then, wow, very well done and well written too. Well written. Yeah, very nice, You Allison. need to write in poetry for, for Horse Nation. Yeah, I'm thinking we definitely need a poetry contest in the future. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. We probably have a few of those out there. Well, we know the next one's going to be because she is a poet. <laughs> so There you uh, go. We've already got two entries. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> Week three uh, was the winner was A.K. Moss. Remember she wrote the uh, somewhat body story about Glenn's cowboy hat? The people loved it. The people loved it. Yes, uh, she was a big winner there, and I think it was mostly at my expense. Uh, so I, we'll see, we'll see if she goes. If I'm, it's at my expense again. But this was A.K. Moss. She was the winner in week three. Let's see what she has for us. And we have not listened to these yet. This is a little bit longer. Hey, this is A.K. Moss over here in Oregon. Say, I wanted to say thank you for all who have participated and listened to Equestrians Have Talent. It has been a lot of fun, and uh, I sure enjoy uh, listening all, to all the talent out there. Um, to be one of the finalists is a, a pretty good feeling. So with that said, if you would just take a moment and look down at your hands and think of all the things that they have accomplished, attempted, tried, and struggled through in your life, when I wrote this, I wrote this for one of my best friends by the name of Billy Flick. But as I recite it, I recognize that it is for most every Western woman that I know. So for you, I give the truth. As I watched from a distance, her hands had a lot to say. Though callous, they softly spoke of her life in a subtle, silent way how they molded her life into a treasure, how they survived the heat and cold, how they helped her build her fires and at her prayers, they gently fold. A thousand times they've saddled horses of the hundreds that she's had, and how they helped her laugh through all the crazy wrecks that she's had. And that cavy cow pushing hard how tender yet firm they were, the strength in her grip assured no slip as she helped a new baby stir. And that rope in her hand, it's natural, for she's swung at a time or two, not to catch every time it was thrown, but just to keep swinging till the job was through. And the strokes they give her filly to calm her troubled mind that guide, teach, and calm her until confidence she'd find. And after dark, when we get home, her hands have more to do. Making dinner and peeling apples to bake a pie or two. And when all is quiet around the night house and night has settled in, her hands are busy one more time with horsehair hitching again. An easy rhythm to settle the day. 
for they have done their part. They've created a life, shaped and molded by two. They've created a piece of art. And as I watch from a distance, she's trusted them since her youth, though their language is never spoken. Her hands tell the truth. Well, that's what I have for you. Take care. God bless. A.K. Moss. Wow, that was well written. And boy, you could and picture well the scene. Read. Yeah, she she's great. You could listen to her all day, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. And and that you was could, another dual talent. It was the reading and the writing. And they she, worked together. And you could just picture the story. You could picture her hands. I mean, I pictured her hands because we've all seen those hands, right? All of us horse people have seen those hands. Uh I hope I'm on the way to developing that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> You're old enough now. You're starting to have those hands. It's, there. <laughs> it's true, though, that horse people and, and horse women and men, especially, hands age before we do, right? Because mm-hmm. of all the work and all the things we do with our hands. And you can tell a horse per- – if I'm at the store, especially here in Ocala, you know that half the horse people in this grocery store are horse people. If they're not wearing their breeches, I look at their hands, and I know right away that they're horse people. You can tell. Well written. Well done. It's going to be tough. I'm glad we're not this voting. It's tough. Yeah, this is going to be a <laughs> – Good finals for the inaugural year. So, All right, go out and vote. Go to equestrianshavetalent.com. It'll be up uh, right now as this is coming out, so it'll be up. You can go there and vote till next Thursday, which is Thursday the um, 19th, or 26th, rather. Thursday the 26th. You'll have until the, then to vote. And then Chris and I are going to do a little finals episode, and we'll, we'll announce the winner. So that'll happen on next, next week's Stable Scoop. We're so excited that you guys all participated. We want to thank all of you. This was such a good first contest. This was really, really fun. So you guys are awesome. Now, you're not done yet, everybody, because there's two more things you have to participate in. One is Halloween is coming, and Kristen's going to tell you about that. Yeah, so on Horse Nation, we are running a Halloween short story contest um, that is in partnership with the Horse Radio Network. So we're going to read the best, spookiest stories on the air for Horses in the Morning on October 31st. That'll be on Halloween Day. Yes, so there are details at uh, horsenation.com. If you search Halloween short story contest, that'll come up, and I'll make sure that Glenn also shares the link. Um, So yeah, whether it's a story that happened to you or a story that you made up, uh, we want to hear it, so send us the spookiest thing you got. And if I can't sleep, then you're definitely a winner. <laughs> if it gives me nightmares, automatic winner. Is there, like, criteria you can't be too gory or, you know, it's supposed to be scary, not horror? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of, like, you know, Saw or Hostel or okay, that kind right, of uh, right. that kind of spooky. But, yeah, nice good old ghost story, something that gives me goosebumps, not something that makes me throw up. That'd be good. Okay, good. <laughs> Have you gotten that many? You've started to get them, right? You got quite a few. So there are competitions out there. People are submitting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's getting pretty tough. So right. unfortunately, I've been reading them all in daylight. So How do people find out more about that? Where do they go for that? Uh, horsenation.com. And if you go to the search bar and type Halloween short story. 
Okay, and you'll find a post about how to enter and everything. That's good. One other thing is, everybody, you got a couple of weeks to start thinking, yes, I know, about the holidays, because the the Holiday Radiothon is coming up on November the 27th. It's always the Monday following Thanksgiving, which is Cyber Monday. So that's when it is. It's 12 hours live. We do have a change in the lineup. We have a couple changes in the lineup this year, but one of them involves Kristen and Leslie. So Kristen and Leslie will be joining us this time and not from eventing nation but from horse nation will be joining us on the final hour at eight o'clock at night hopefully jamie will come back and uh we'll have a good time just to, just all of us hanging out and and from from horse nation and the horse radio network in the final hour I'm super excited for that. That's going to be awesome. Yeah, it'll be fun. So. I think it's going to be a, a great time. It always is fun the last hour for us because we're almost done. <laughs> so <laughs> everybody's a little giddy by then. Sleep deprived. Yeah. <laughs> have a little glass of wine. Everybody's a little giddy by then. So we're looking forward to that. That's uh, coming up on November 27th. We need your help. You have to get your entries in. Last year, we had over 100 voicemails and entries, people singing songs. That's the way you qualify for the almost $5,000 worth of prizes is by sending entries in for our voicemail contest. And also, you call in that day. And we are happy to announce that we have a theme for this year that's become official. It's your ultimate horsey Christmas gift, past, present, or future. So you might have gotten the ultimate Christmas gift when you were a kid, or maybe you got something when you were an adult, or some four-legged critter, or you're hoping for the ultimate Christmas gift in the future. So we're leaving it open to you to decide what's the ultimate horsey Christmas gift for you. So we're looking for those uh, people to call in about that, and we'll be making many more announcements about the Radiothon coming up. But start thinking about your songs and your poems and everything that you're going to submit to Radiothon, I gotta say, then you listened to the last couple of years, the voicemail packages definitely make the day. And now that we know how talented everybody is, the bar has been raised from That's this right. year. So yeah. no, it's no, be a good time. No fooling us anymore. You can't say yep. you don't have talent, because we all know you have talent of some kind. Or you can just tell us what your ultimate horsey Christmas gift is, one way or the other. And we're or hoping ones that you gave, right? Ones yeah. that you might have given. Oh, you might have given. Received. Yeah. Past, present, or future. Fun. Doesn't matter. It's open. That's why we worded it that way. And actually, that was voted on by our auditors, uh, selected and chose what this year's theme was going to be. So we appreciate them doing that as well. That's it. Thank you, Kristen. HorseNation.com. Go vote. EquestriansHaveTalent.com. Horse Nation for the Halloween contest. And we have much more coming up about Radiothon in the next couple of weeks. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Glenn. Well, coming up next, we have a friend of the show's, Devin Horn. She is a definite badass horsewoman. She is also a 50-mile ultra runner. She's an ultra-long-distance endurance rider. She's an endurance rider competitively here in the United States. She does a whole bunch of other stuff. She's been around the world on adventures, and we're going to have her here once a month on the Stable Scoop Show. But we thought, you know what? For those of you that have never heard her before, she helped us with our coverage of the Mongol Derby this year. But if you didn't hear that and you've never heard her before, it was time that we introduced her before we get to our new schedule in January, where she'll be joining us once a month telling about all her adventures. Here is Devin Horn. Hi, Devin. Welcome to the Stable Scoop Show. 
Hi, Glenn. How's it going? Good. Now, Devin has agreed to join us on the Stable Scoop Show once a month, starting in January, when we start the new format for the Stable Scoop Show. And I'm so excited to have you. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to call it the Badass Devin uh, segment or not, but I'm going with that Uh, for right now. Okay with that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how iTunes will be with that, if they'll flag me for it. But, um, I, you know, that is, we got to know each other through the Mongol Derby, actually. And it, we were just talking before we started recording how it seems like I've known you for 10 years, and it's probably been bit less than a year. But you, um, you are known as a, a daredevil and a bit of a badass. And that's why I wanted to have you on today was kind of introduce you to the Stable Scoop audience and get a little bit of background about where all that came from and how all that started. And then it'll make a lot more sense to everybody when we have you on talking about all your adventures next year and your preparations for the Mongol Derby again. So where did the whole daredevil thing come from? I assume as a kid... I, I think I came out of the womb like this. Um, I was always, always just trying to do anything that was new and dangerous and, and had anything to do with exercise. <laughs> um, you know, whether it was, you know, doing Texas Heatwig soccer, you know, in, in July of, you know, Texas or, you know, gymnastics or anything that I could do. Um, and then, of course, when I hit horses at nine, um, that was kind of the end of it. Did you did you stick with gymnastics or any other sports through high school, or was it horses from Absolutely then on? Absolutely not. It was as soon as the horses came into the picture that was that was it. Full throttle. Did you start Western or English? No, I I actually had the luck to start at an endurance stable, um, oh. which went right into the long distance trail riding. And were you always a runner too? Your parents, I know your dad um, is right. Yes, my dad is an ultra runner, and I have the misfortune of having knee surgery in uh, sophomore year of high school. So I did not start running competitively until I hit college. Ah, okay. So, so it was pretty much horses, 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 and endurance riding only, or did you compete in uh, hunters, jumpers, or anything eventing? Uh, I, I did some really low-level dressage, um, just kind of on a lark one summer, but for the most part, it's always been endurance. I get a little cagey in arenas. How old were you when you did your first 50 in the 100? Oh, I was 12 when I did my first 50, and I think 13 when I did my first 100-mile ride. Wow. And have you always kept competing with endurance to today? You're still doing that? Yes. Yes. Uh, Not a a season goes by that I'm not doing, you know, as many endurance rides as I can. I I will go out of my way and take red red eye flights and... um, do some pretty crazy things just to compete. So it's definitely my, my number one passion is endurance riding. Why endurance? Why do you like it so much? What is it about endurance that makes it, you know, better than anything else you could do in the horse world? Definitely just the sheer amount of time you get to spend in the saddle working your horse. I mean, on a, on a, a dressage test, if things go well, you spend maybe 30 minutes a day, you know, on your competition day in the saddle. Whereas in endurance, I get a solid eight hours at the very minimum with my horse, um, which really kind of speaks to me. And it's it's really fun to to have your horse and yourself as a team taking on an environment and taking on a trail and kind of the the, the bond that you have with the horse and the the adventure of it is just something that just clicks with me so deeply. So, what? Tell us all about your first pony or horse that when you were a kid. Oh, my My very first pony was an Arabian, a 15-2 Arabian gelding named Legend. 
Um, he and I did my first couple fifties together. Um, and he was just a saint. I mean, I, I couldn't get on him without help, but he was just a saint once I was on there <laughs> and just really nice trot, like a jackhammer <laughs> and, uh, and a really big heart. So he, he was my very first pony and I, I love him still. <laughs> well, you learned to ride that trot. You could ride anything, right? <laughs> oh my God. I don't think, I don't think ever since I've had, I've been on a horse that had a trot that bad. And I just thought that's how it was. For the longest time, <laughs> <laughs> you discover there's actually some smoother than that. What was it for? Do you remember right? the? Do you remember the first time you rode a gated horse? Oh my god! Yes, <laughs> I had no idea that was an option. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the first time I rode a gated horse, I was like, "Oh my goodness, where, where has this been?" <laughs> <laughs> do you do you like riding gated horses still? I do, yeah, a lot. Um, there's there's one named Bling that I use for um, all of my tent pegging and mounted archery competitions, and um, he is just the best because you don't even have to focus on what you're doing. I mean, it's it, you don't even have to move practically. He's a Missouri fox trotter. So that's interesting that you bring up two more disciplines: uh, tent pegging and <laughs> archery. Let's start with tent pegging because yeah. a lot of people don't know what that is. So can you kind of explain it? it? It's kind of like joust, medieval jousting, except you're not jousting against a partner. You're jousting against either rings or uh, lemons. Sometimes they use lemons or different kinds of fruit. Um, and real tent pegging is, is based on an old cavalry sport where people used to try to ride through a camp at high speed and pluck tent pegs out of the, um, the ground to collapse the tents on the soldiers. I didn't so know that. I, I heard, I've yeah. heard about tent pegging, but I never heard that part. I didn't know why it was called yeah, that. So the the Bedouins used to try to ride through camp and pull up the tent pegs to trap soldiers inside the tents so they could be dealt with at a later date. Um, and uh, so that that's where the sport originates from is is that ancient martial spirit. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And so modern day tent pegging has like a it's a, a about a seven to eight foot pole with a kind of a blunt tip on it. And you can use either fruit or styrofoam on the ground, and you just gallop your horse and try to um, spear the target with your spear. It really does date back. I mean, almost everything that you do, I've noticed, archery and 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 have have to do with martial arts in some way. Um, yes. <laughs> is that is that on purpose? I mean, are you also a? Uh, do you also do anything else in martial arts? Well, I have my black belt in Cook Solon, which is a traditional Korean form of martial art that I really resonated with at a young age. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy the physical aspects of martial training, and I, I think it just kind of clicks with my um, total demeanor, I guess. <laughs> so uh, so now you're riding horses as a kid, and I am sure, because you were an endurance rider, that you, you had to have a mentor at that age. So who was your mentor? Who was the one that really helped you get uh, get good at endurance? Okay, well, there, there are a laundry list of people to thank, but the very first person I rode with was uh, a lady named Daryl and Butler, who operates maybe like 20 minutes away from my house. And I was her working student from the time that I was like nine years old all the way up to 16 when she put me on the payroll. Oh, wow. And then I stayed there for an additional five years. Well, I would say um, she's she your has, big mentor. <laughs> she is. Yeah. She's really responsible for my foundation. She has over 70 head of horses and it was just 20 minutes from my house. So 
I lived there permanently. I mean, um, every day after school and all of the weekends when my friends were off at the movies or, or doing other things, I was putting in really grueling hours <laughs> at her <laughs> table trying to get at least a semblance of, of decency as an endurance writer. And I'm sure as an endurance writer and a kid growing up, the Tevis was always in your sights. Yes, that's that's what that was the first dream. You know, when you're when you're an endurance rider and you think of endurance, you always think of, you know, the, the pictures of the horses going up Cougar Rock and, you know, just the magic of, of crossing the Sierra Nevadas and starting in one town and ending up in another. It's like this whole journey, you know, and uh, it's, it's kind of what people think of as the pinnacle of, of endurance riding, at least in America. And? And I've done it three times. <laughs> <laughs> How old were you when you did it the first time? Um, I think I was 17. And was it every, so took, was it as hard as you thought it would be? What was the first time like for you? The first time after I crossed the finish line, they have the award ceremony on a small hill, and I could not walk up the hill. <laughs> I was so sore and so tired. Uh, my dad had to help me walk up the hill to the award ceremony. It was so embarrassing. <laughs> but I, I, but I, I fought long and hard, and I, my, the horse that I rode, Malia, was just so amazing. And she, she did most of the work, because I was really a little bit unprepared for the ride. <laughs> um, <laughs> And then, you know, the third, the third time I did it, of course, uh, just the, just two years ago, um, no problems. I was completely ready for it and, and strong and able to walk up to the podium. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so you've done it three times. <laughs> There's not a lot of people actually that have done that three times. Yeah. Uh, you know, some, for some people, it's, it's sort of a journey that you only have to do once. I'm a slow learner, so I have to repeat things a couple of times. Which leads us to the uh, the Tevis was not enough. Obviously, that's such boring race that we decided that we were going to take a look at the Mongol Derby. When did the Mongol Derby come into your your sight line? When did you hear about it first? And when did you when did the bug hit you? Well, seven years ago, I've been I've been trying to map this out because this race has literally consumed seven years of my life. Um. Seven years ago, my friend Justin Nelson, who was also an extremely important endurance riding mentor to me, went over and won it in 2010. Um, and I knew the minute that he got back and told me about it that I was going to do this race. No, no questions asked. And in my senior year of college, I took a, a, a course on Neolithic history, which focused on the Mongol Empire. And I just, I was sitting in the back of the classroom and I, my heart started racing and I said, Oh man, we're going to do this. <laughs> you had a bonding no, moment with Genghis Khan. Uh, I did. I like, <laughs> the I had this huge, like, you know, re reunion, I guess. And uh, it just kind of happened. And I said, there's no way I'm not doing this next year. And so we made it happen. And uh, I'm on Derby run number three for 2018. Well, yeah. You, how did in, you know? We've talked a little bit. Uh, you helped us do coverage this year of Leslie's ride. Uh, Leslie, of course, contributed to Horses in the Morning and the one we followed this year for her ride at the Mongol Derby. And you were kind enough to really give up what seven, eight, nine nights of your life to help cover that. And I appreciate that. But we um, was was it? Let me ask the same question I asked you about the uh, about Tevis. Was it as hard as you thought it would be? Or I know Leslie said it really brings you down to your core, places that you never thought you could go. Did it do that for you too? That first ride? Absolutely, 
Absolutely. I mean, there were times, you know, when I was just, I was moving and, and riding, but just sobbing. So, <laughs> I'm, I'm not afraid to admit that. The, the derby will, will kill parts of you that you may want to kill or may not have wanted to kill, but it'll kill parts of you. But none of Leslie's writing was an exaggeration. The, the race is brutal. And that's, that's part of what I love about it. And was that the year that you had the tough finish? No, that was, that was the year when everything went well. Oh, okay, good. So what happened at the finish of year one? I couldn't remember which year was which. Year one, um, I crossed the line in first place out of 40 riders and unfortunately had a time penalty tacked on um, right at the finish line and ended up in official second place. Which isn't um, too shabby other, after a thousand miles. And for those that no, don't know, or a thousand kilometers, no. the Mongol Derby is a thousand kilometers riding crazy Mongol ponies across the Mongol steppes over like nine days without a break and eating their food yeah, and, and sleeping on the ground and all of that. <laughs> it's like, and I recognize now looking back that that first year I had a nearly perfect ride. I mean, even knowing what I know now and following the Derby for seven years, I don't think there are too many things that I could have done differently. And recognize that it's going to be really hard to beat that if I go back next year. Yeah, because a lot of it's just dumb luck, too, right? Oh, amazing amounts. And that's that's part of the part that kills you, is that you can do everything right and still be just royally... Well, you get that one pony I mean, that's just not cooperating no matter what you do. I mean, you're you're that yeah. really messes you with you. I mean, uh, yeah. You've got 25 miles of torture with that pony. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you just have to make it work somehow. Well, get off and walk was a lot of the ways. I, th- I think a lot of people <laughs> yeah. made it, those ponies work, right? And that, of course, eats yeah. time. So now you <laughs> went back the second year, and we're going to talk a little bit about a new documentary, uh, major documentary film that you're kind of in. Was that the second year then that they filmed that, your second time at the Mongol Derby? Yes, I had the luck that they filmed not the year that I did everything right, but the year that I did everything completely wrong, um, which makes for really, really great TV, but not really so great if you're trying to, uh, you know, do the derby correctly. Um, I ended up having a, a kidney shutdown on day five yeah. of the, the Mongol Derby and had to be um, actually medically evicted from the ride. <laughs> What do they do there? Is it like horses? They stick a nose or a tube down your nose and fill you with fluids. What do they do? Uh, no, they they had actually three IVs running at one point trying to to get me, you know, back to the land of the living. Um, but no, luckily they did not have to stick a tube down my nose. Okay, good. I'm just just checking. And how is uh, Mongolia hospitals? I always wondered about that. You know, I I couldn't tell you. <laughs> I was too far out to uh, to get to a hospital, so they did all their recon work in the in a tent. It was pretty great. Oh, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shout out to Prometheus Medical, which is a great field medical uh, operation out of Bristol, England. <laughs> They do have the medical people there needed to take care of the situations that arise, don't they? Exactly, yeah. And they yeah. did some really good work with me. <laughs> now, did you, were you able to get back in the race then, or should we make them, make them watch the documentary? Maybe we should wake oh, up. Oh, well, watch. you should definitely watch the documentary. Um, it, it's called All the Wild Horses. And it's, uh, well, we just finished up an appearance at Aspen and the Hot Springs Film Festival. Um, it's coming to Tryon, which is actually the exact same place they're holding the leg yep. next year. Uh, that'll be on Halloween, and then it'll also be at the Equest Film Festival in New York on November 18th. 
All right, so it's called All the Wild Horses. Tell us about the producer, because there's a story there, too. Definitely, yeah. Um, Evo is uh, actually so dedicated to this project that he's ridden the entirety of the Mongol Derby two times trying to get footage, and he's collected um, stories that are just so compelling and, and amazing to, to watch on the screen um, about people and, and the kind of people it, it this kind this race attracts, which is not, you know, you don't go into this race because you're smart. <laughs> you go into this race because you have, you know, some sort of something driving you, and he really does an amazing job of, of profiling the people who take this on. Now, and that's an interesting point, because this is not, I mean, the scenery is beautiful, and he, let, he not only wrote it twice, he wrote it with frickin' heavy cameras. So, I mean, yeah, um, they, he wrote it with a camera on his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, he had extra challenges here, and, and also they have drone footage and all of that. It's really cool that way. I haven't seen it. I've seen bits and pieces of it. I haven't seen the whole thing yet, and you just saw it for the first time. And what was your impression? I mean, first of all, I was just in a documentary, too, and seeing my face that about 30 feet high was freaking scary. Um, so how are you seeing yourself on the big screen? You know, it, there's there's a few things that are, are sort of embarrassing in the documentary. Like, I have no less than five vomit scenes. In the documentary. Oh, great. Good. Thanks for the warning, by the way, Devin. Thanks. Yeah. That's sexy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's a documentary about everything you've done right in your life. It's a documentary of, of some stupid decisions that you made kind of 30 feet high. Um, so so, so every documentary needs a that girl. You're that girl. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it was really difficult to watch. Um, and the, the pieces that, you know, were not centered upon my, my Icarus story were really, really well done. And I laughed and cried through most of it. But, um, it is really hard to watch yourself fall apart 30 feet high on a screen. Yeah, just exaggerate. <laughs> it's just, and it's not something, <laughs> yeah. this particular race was not actually one that you wanted to relive. The first one would have been great, but. Um, why, why couldn't he have filmed while I was doing really well? <laughs> <laughs> I have, uh, I did uh, see some reports from some people that were there who said it is just gripping and compelling and holds you from beginning to end because this is really a story, not a story about the people, right? It's not even about the horses. It's it's about the people. Yes. And the, there are a very uh, cu- couple of really stellar Mongolian characters as well in the documentary that you just, you leave the, you leave the theater either missing them in my case, or really wanting to meet them in others. I mean, it, it's just exceptional for filmography. Uh, and now that's an interesting point because the Mongol Derby relies so much on the locals. And there are a lot of locals that are really into making this happen or it wouldn't happen. I mean, you're using their horses, you're using their houses, their their tents, you're eating their food. I mean, they really are part of this whole journey. Yes, and the Mongol Derby is based off of Genghis Khan's original postal system, which spanned the entirety of his empire from Europe to China. And basically what would happen is a messenger would get on one pony, ride about 40 kilometers, get up, dismount, get on another pony, and keep going. And this was the fastest way you could re- relay information in that time period. And it's actually one of the things that people contribute um, the Mongolian Empire's success to. So when, you know, 10 years, 10 years uh, before this, when the adventurers came to Mongolia and said, hey, we want to put on this horse race, it was really a, a homage and honor to their culture. Um, they were very keen on the idea, from what I understand, to, to recreate disposal system in the form of a race. 
What and, and we have to give credit to the adventurists. I mean, they do some amazing stuff, uh, and all they of it. They do some ridiculous, ridiculous. Stuff. I mean, they, <laughs> uh, they are just all, their slogan is fighting to make the world less boring. And I mean, they race through India on motorcycles, and I think they just opened up a motorcycle race in Peru, and they do some like uh, like motor assisted paraglider races across Utah. That just that are just insane. I mean, they they do some really crazy stuff. Yeah, it's crazy, and it takes a bit of a daredevil. Which which brings me to my question: what what drives somebody like you? You talked about that. You talked. You said the person that does the Mongol Derby has to have a drive, has to have that certain inner something. What is that inner something, and why? You know, people have been asking me that since I was four, I think. Um, I, I don't know. It's this, this fire has been burning in my gut since I was born. Um, and it's just always led me to do the things that I didn't think I could do. You know, it's, I don't, I don't get on a starting line like this and say, oh yeah, I got this in the bag. I mean, I'm almost addicted to the, to the what if I fail sort of thing. Um, I, I really enjoy conquering challenges that I'm, I'm not even sure I can do and, and surprising myself and surpassing my own expectations. Um, I'm, I'm my worst critic and my biggest enemy when it comes to things like this, because my, my, you know, my inner voice never shuts up about, you know, maybe this is more than you can chew right now. Um, so I, I enjoy proving myself wrong. And, and now you've taken up a team sport, which is a little bit unusual for you. Yeah, this is my very first team sport since I quit Texas Heat Wave Soccer when I was, you know, five. Um, I'm actually just beginning to uh, begin my career in roller derby, which is pretty fun. <laughs> well, it allows you to be a badass again and beat people up. Yeah, so. no, it's, <laughs> it's, like... it's really it's really cathartic to, to be able to hit people. <laughs> now, you do get hit occasionally, too, so there's that. But yeah, I can see you doing this. You can, it, it takes you to do this, that kind of mentality to do it. Because, again, it's, it's balls to the walls, just whatever. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm getting out there, and I'm doing it. Yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm not very good yet. I, I have a couple of years to go before I consider myself, you know, a pretty good skater. But I can fall like nobody's business. I mean, <laughs> even my teammates are, are pretty impressed that I just bounce off the track. And I say, well, when you're used to falling off of a 12-foot, you know, being up 12 feet in the air and falling, which I do every once in a while, um, you know, falling on roller skates is not a big deal. Well, we're as we get you back and do more and more, uh, we're going to talk to you once a month. We're going to talk about some of the the very interesting and fun things that you've done. Uh, like you just got, we won't talk about it today, but you just got back from Japan. I want to talk to you about that the next time we get together. You spent three months there training horses, and I want to talk to you about the culture and stuff like that. And I know you have many more adventures. We're going to follow you as you prepare and train for the Mongol Derby this year because you're going back. Yes, uh, 2018 will be my third and final Mongol Derby. Yeah, that's event. what they all say. That's... No, no, I'm serious. <laughs> seven years of my life, Glenn. It's been seven years. I have to, I have to get this out of my system somehow. There's so many parts of the world I haven't seen yet, and honestly, the bucket list is really starting to stack up. So I got to finish this. What's on the bucket list? Oh. <laughs> Well, you know, I've never been to South America, and a friend of mine has just opened up a, a couple of thousand-kilometer uh, endurance treks down there. Wow. Um, that I'm really, really? interested in, in going to. Yeah. That'd be hilly. That's going to be really hilly. Yeah, I, I've never seen the Andes, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And um, there's a couple of other races, you know, like the Shazada 500 in uh, 
uh, Australia, as well as a couple of different um, ultra marathon goals I have that, that are really sort of trying to press on me. And um, I just, I haven't been able to give them the attention they deserve because my heart is still in Mongolia. So I'm hoping that after this run, I'll have a little bit of closure and I'll be able to look uh, south for my next adventure. Will you have closure no matter what happens and what the finish is in Mongolia this year? You know, for a, a long time, I, I, the answer to that question would be absolutely not. For a long time, I was really ruthless in my, in my regard of I need to finish this and I need to finish in first place. But I think if I can just have one more run and complete it, you know, no matter what happens, I think I'll find my peace. Okay, because that was—I was wondering what the answer was to that, because I know how yeah, com- I know, know how competitive you are. So, I I am very competitive, but you know, there's there's been a lot of stuff that happened, um, you know, and you know, even watching the documentary, I think, changed my perspective on on what I need to do to to you know get a, a good Mongol Derby completion under my belt. I thought about you a couple of weeks ago. We had a guest in the house here. Ice Road trucker Lisa Kelly stayed with us for a couple of days, and we've known her for years. She listens to our shows while she drives the ice roads, and she's the one from wow. the t- she's one from the TV show um, Ice Road Truckers. Wow. And she had done the most dangerous roads in the world. So when you said Peru, she had I asked her what was the most dangerous road you ever drove in a truck, and she talked about the South America one just being and and then the one in India, which is called Death Road. Um, and you know, I thought about you, I thought you two have a lot in common now. She drives a truck and yours is very physical, but it takes that same mentality. Yeah. The, 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 menta- the most important mentality, I think for anybody, if you're going to be an endurance rider doing, you know, local rides or Tevis or the Mongol Derby is the ability to adapt to your situation and to be able to sort of respond and, um, kind of regroup when things really go to hell and not to your plan. I think it's very important for an endurance rider to be able to sort of react to, to her surroundings. But I imagine it's a, pretty much the same thing if you're driving a truck, you know, on a six-foot ledge. You know, yeah, with the, with the with <laughs> the 10,000-foot drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so, uh, yeah, she sounds like a, a girl to have a beer with, for sure. Yeah, you two would get along great. <laughs> you, you really <laughs> would. I thought about you, actually, when she was here. So, uh, you know, and I want to thank her, too, by the way. I haven't done that uh, yet. Uh, she actually has a fan of hers. By the way, she's the most popular trucker in the world with 600,000 followers on Facebook. Wow. Yeah, she really is popular. They hire her to just go sign autographs at all these truck places. But she um, she brought from one of her fans, uh, makes wooden things and makes them out of, by hand. And he made her, this is about a four-foot-long tractor-trailer truck. And she she. she she wanted to give it to us as a gift, and she signed the top, so it's here in the studio. So that was very, very nice of her, and I wanted to thank her for doing that. It was It's a very cool oh, wow. handmade wooden truck, and it, she signed it from, from Lisa because she listens to our shows so much. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to having you on and following you. Where are people going to be able to see the movie, and when will it become come out for distribution? Do you know? I, well, everybody, obviously, everybody's been asking. We're going to do a couple more film festivals uh, like Tryon and uh, Equus in New York City. Um, the hope after that is to do a limited theatrical release. And then um, a little bit down the line, probably around summer, where it will, it'll be on Netflix. So hopefully everybody will have a chance to watch it. Great. Well, I, I can't wait to see it. I can't wait to see you in it. And then, uh, I, and by the time we talk the next time, I'll have seen the movie so I can pick on you about it. 
Definitely, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. It's, <laughs> count, count the vomit scenes on your hands and make sure five is the correct number. But I'm pretty sure it's five. How many people were throwing up in the audience when you were throwing up? Because that's a reaction sometimes. None that I saw. You know, <laughs> it, it, someone might have gotten some in her purse that I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> You can be so proud. You're causing people puking around the world. So proud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Devin, thanks a bunch. Uh, do you have a website or where can people follow your, your adventures? And especially the Mongol yeah, Derby find, adventure coming up. Definitely. Find me on Facebook. Uh, my name is spelled D-E-V-A-N, surname Horn, H-O-R-N. And it's facebook.com forward slash Texan Temujin, which is uh, the uh, Genghis Khan's birth name, T-E-M-U-J-I-N. Well, and we're gonna we're gonna take a look at uh, also doing coverage again, following your progress, uh, like we did nightly on Facebook. So during during this year's, so and maybe I'll get Leslie to join me for those, and yeah, we can reverse that would it. Be so fun! We, we we really picked on her while she was running, so yeah, you should get a chance. It'll be her turn. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks a lot, Devin. Hey, no problem, Glenn. Have a good one. Every time you work with horses, especially in an unexpected environment like this, you can get hurt very badly. We are racing individually across a thousand kilometers of the Mongol steppe on semi-wild Mongolian horses. If I messed it up somehow and had to go home in a sling, I better be in a body bag because there's no way that I'm going home with a broken wrist. Because it's something completely crazy, that's why I wanted to do it. It's something I've never even thought of doing before. I don't know what to expect from it. I know it's going to be tough, it's going to be long. Everyone is keen to win it because that's a big honor, but I'm not going to leave everything behind because I'm focusing on winning. about someone's character as they try to manage the hardships of both the horses and weather and the diet and traveling hard and traveling fast every day. This is Medic One. Uh, we've got two casualties with us. show it's product review time tech and habit time and i am here with casey Berger, and she's going to tell us all about the shires fly mask that she has tested hello casey hello now exactly which shires fly mask did you test tell us all about it i got the one with the ears um it's a really really light fly mask it's white um it's 
very light, very thin. Um, I didn't notice a lot of sweating, which is a problem I've had with a couple others. Um, it even actually has a piece in it where it actually keeps it up off their eyes, which was really nice. Oh, how interesting. That's And that's a problem for a lot of horses. They don't like the fly mask touching their eyebrows. Yes, yes. And this one I did put through the ringer. Um, the ears on a lot of the fly masks I've used before, if they actually have the ears, are very stiff. Mm-hmm. And this one I didn't I didn't have that problem with. These were really soft. It was actually a material instead of the mesh that you usually see. Mm-hmm. Um, and the part around the eyes themselves was really, really soft compared to most. So you didn't have the scratchiness either. Interesting. Now, now, how does this one attach? Does it have one Velcro, two Velcro, multiple layers of Velcro? It has two, which was good because then I could use it on both of my horses that I put floor masks on. They have very different sized heads. Mm-hmm. So it actually adjusted for either one pretty well. Oh, that's a handy thing. And you said you got the mm-hmm. white one, right? Yes. Yes. Um, that's my only complaint about the white one is, of course, it gets dirty, but it's very, very easy to get burrs and whatnot off of so oh that's a, i haven't yet that's a, thrown that's it through the washer feature, yeah. but now have, yes. have, have you had to put it in the washing machine or do you hand wash things these things well i haven't thrown it through the washer yet um so far i've just basically brushed the burrs off yeah. because it hasn't actually gotten as dirty as what most of them usually do huh very interesting and and my horses, they, they tear things up pretty easily. I've actually left it on for a few days at a time, um, and I've sent both horses out to pasture with it, and it's come back every time, not a single hole or pulled thread even. Well, that speaks well to the durability, yes. So um, I do have one horse who really likes to get burrs in her forelock. Mm-hmm. Generally, she looks like a unicorn, and we didn't have nearly as many issues with this one. <laughs> Now, for the so. sizing, you've obviously used fly masks before, so you knew about what size yes. you needed. Did the size run pretty true? Did it run big or did it run small? I think it's a little bit big. Um, my paint mare, Sparkles, she has a really big head and generally takes horse size everything, but it was even big on her. But the Velcro did adjust enough that it did stay on her very well. So the sizing run, runs big, but the design seems to be pretty forgiving? Yes, yes. And I've actually, I even used it, not only did I turn them out in them, I actually used it the other day on my uh, quarter horse cross, who has a smaller head. I used it on her the other day when I was out riding. I put it over top of her bridle, and it fit well over top of the bridle, too. Oh, so it's got a little room to breathe, a little extra room. That's nice, yeah. Yes. There we go. So this is the Shires Fine Mesh Fly Mask with Ears. And it's right here on horselovers.com. And as we record this review, it is for sale for $17.99. The Shires Fly Fine Fly Mask with Ears. And thank you ever so very much, Casey, for doing our product review today. Not a problem. Thank you so much.
Well, thank you for joining us on this Stable Scoop show. We appreciate you being here. You know, go out and vote. EquestriansHaveTalent.com. You have till next Thursday to get your votes in for the winner in the first annual Equestrians Have Talent. We'll be back next week with another fun show for you, including the finals and the announcement of who won. Of course, you can listen to all the shows on the Horse Radio Network at HorseRadioNetwork.com. We did a special World 2018 WEG show on the ticket sales. So if you want to head on over there and learn about that, if you're planning on coming to the WEG in 2018 and try on, uh, Samantha and I had a little chat about what we know about ticket sales that have gone up already. You can find that at 2018wegshow.com. And of course, join me five days a week, Horses in the Morning, the world's most popular equestrian podcast, horsesinthemorning.com. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you again next week. Happy scooping. Happy scooping.